Are you looking for a memorable getaway for your family that's packed with adventure? Look no further than Lake Erie. Powderhook, in partnership with the Great Lakes Fishery Commission, has all the resources you need to plan your adventure to the walleye capital of the world. The best part is, you don't have to be an experienced angler or own a boat to have a fantastic time on the water. While walleye are the main attraction, Lake Erie also offers excellent fishing for yellow perch, trout, steelhead, salmon, and bass. The options are endless, and there's so much to explore on Lake Erie. Knowledgeable and friendly fishing guides are eager to serve you. Whether you want to hire a charter, secure a seat on a headboat, fish from the shore, ice fish, or do a DIY trip on your own boat. All these options are at your disposal with a bit of planning and preparation. Find everything you need at powderhook.com. That's powderhook.com. We know what's biting and can help you enjoy a wonderful fishing experience on Lake Erie. Hey, it's Captain Justin Leet with Chasing the Sun TV. Join me and Meredith for the best fish in action along the coast of Panama City Beach. Tune in to new episodes every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. River Rats, you are listening to the River Certified Podcast with Spencer Bauer and Ryan Tassler and an array of guests where we cover the fun, interesting, and sometimes rugged parts of spending life on or near the water. Were you fishing? When was the last time you were fishing? Last Saturday. And? <laughs> and it was... Uh... It's a podcast. You can yeah, talk. Yeah, it's it allowed. Was, it was slow last weekend. You know, I think we got like four or five sturgeon, but we ended up getting like 10 channel cats. So that's the nice thing about Minnesota and the rivers up here is uh, the ch- channel cats stay active as long as you can get to open water. Yeah, you can get them um, through the ice. Yeah, and you can get them through the ice as well. So same with the sturgeon. Yeah. So, yeah, we um, we had a good time last weekend. It was a little chilly. It was nice having the uh, full enclosure on the boat. So You sound like you're being interviewed. You have the interviewer voice. Yeah. I'm just poking at you. You need to lighten up, John. You're so uptight Maybe right I now. Need beer. Yeah. Yeah, beer. Get on in there. Get your beer. <laughs> I don't want to, you know. All right. What if you make me? Yep. I just made you. It's even coated in bush light. Limited edition bush light. Man, that's got to be good. It's good. <laughs> it's, bush light. <laughs> it's bush light. Which means it's good. Yeah, my uh, fraternity brothers and I drank a lot of bush light back in the day. That's all we could afford. <laughs> Mine was uh, Milwaukee or uh, Milwaukee's best yeah. beast light. My dad used to drink Milwaukee's best when I was little. Really? Yeah, old Milwaukee. All right, my favorite old mill story. I went to the river to go fishing, and there was a spot that's you know well fished, bank access, and there's two dudes. Where who have beards down to their belt buckles, wearing flannel jackets, playing a banjo, catfishing. Are you in Ohio at this no, time? No, I'm in Iowa, central <laughs> Iowa. Roll up, and I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? And then he quits playing his banjo and says, pretty damn good. You down here fishing? I was like, I was hoping to. Do you care if I you know, fish over next to you? And he's like, I don't give a shit. Then he threw me a, a Old Mill Red. He didn't ask if I wanted one. He just threw it at me. And I'm like, well, shit, here's a beer. Guess I better drink it. 
And I ended up polishing off a case of Old Mill Red with those oh, guys. Gross. And when I woke up the next morning, my head was pounding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So I'm here with John Kimball and Luke Henches. You guys want to share a little bit about yourself? This is a, the chance where um, if you want to use your interviewer interviewee voice, John, it's appropriate. <laughs> so give us the rundown. My name is John. Um Indiana native, now a uh, transplant to Minnesota. Been here about 23 years. My lovely wife and I are both licensed professional engineers and uh, spend all my free time fishing. How do you feel about Minnesota versus Indiana? Um, if you, you have to rank them right now. Oh, I think Indiana would be a little higher, unfortunately. Why? Uh, because I'm old now. And uh, winters suck. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, I would have ranked Minnesota higher. I liked being up here, uh, you know, in my 30s and 40s. But now that I've gotten a little older. But you have this nice heated enclosure on your boat now, too. Well, yeah, because my wife's making me stay here. Oh. Where do you fish in Indiana, though? Well, I grew up in Fort Wayne, and uh, there's three rivers in Fort Wayne, the St. Mary's, St. Joe, mm -hmm. and uh, the Maumee. I've heard um, of the last one. Yeah, yeah the too. Maumee River yeah. flows over into Ohio, and a lot of people uh, you know, catch flatheads, actually, out of the Maumee. Right. And the St. Joe River in Fort Wayne actually has flatheads in it. I got a buddy of mine I played baseball with. Uh, his nickname's Snapper. Um, big, tall guy. Got some vision problems, and uh, he just fishes the bridges in town. Mm -hmm. Just sits on the bridge and fishes for flatheads. And um, last time I was in Fort Wayne last year, uh, we went out there and fished on the bridge and didn't catch anything. But you know, me and a couple of my high school buddies in the hood sitting on the bridge right. with our, our sidearms on us, and uh, all kinds of crazy people driving by, honking and making bad comments. And that's like downtown Des Moines. There's yeah, like was, a brotherhood yeah. of cat fishermen in downtown Des Moines, and it's. It's a little sketchy. I mean, a dude got stabbed uh, two years ago. Who He was fishing downtown area by a dam, and I think they tried to mug him, and he fought back, and then he got freaking stabbed. I, I watched a guy get stabbed while I was bait fishing. Shut up. In, uh, on the Twin Lake. Yeah. I, 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 I watched I remember, him I hearing about get it. stabbed. Well, the next question is, what did you do? Kept catching bait. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to fill that bait cooler. <laughs> I, was, I, I did. The cops came down and uh, asked us what we saw. And I'm not going to get into detail what was said because it's That's irrelevant. It's crazy. And ended up being one guy was following another guy. The other guy stopped. And the guy that... And he's like, you took my that, fishing spot, you son of a they bitch. They weren't fishing. Oh. Um, they were just walking down the path where we were fishing. Yeah. And, the one guy that was getting followed finally stopped and turned around on the guy and stabbed him right there, right in the back. Do you know what the motive was? Yes. Can we talk about it? His words were, this guy's trying to touch my dick. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's the motive. He didn't like that. He didn't want his pee-pee touched. But so, he kept uh, following him around. And then he kept the guy kept following him. And finally the guy stopped right by us and turned around and the guy kept coming at him. And so he was like defending himself. I think so. Okay. And he hey. pulled out a knife. It was like an eight inch blade and stabbed him right in the side of the back, dude. Blood everywhere. Oh my God. And he's like, this guy stabbed me. This guy stabbed me. And then the kid, it was a young guy. And then old guy was like following him. That's creepy. And he took off running. And uh, this guy that was sitting there watching us fish on a skateboard chased the kid down. 
but it was crazy, dude. You know, the uh, the whole don't touch my pee-pee thing uh, really isn't helping the negative connotation of uh, catfishing. <laughs> they weren't catfishing. They were not fishermen. <laughs> they were not fishermen. Never ran into that problem with another catfisherman. Oh, I but nuts. I am staying at Luke's place. So. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be careful. It's we, true. We don't know where this is going to go. So, all right, Luke, you want to fill people in on, on who you are and where you come from? All right. I. Uh, You're not from here, here. I'm not from the metro city, Minneapolis area. I grew up in north central Minnesota on the lakes in the what people would call up north Minnesota, the lake region. and uh, Home of no catfish. Home of no catfish. None around me. I ended up going to college, University of North Dakota in Grand Forks, and got started catfishing there for Channel Cats on the Ooh, Red River. You went to a good place to start catfishing. One of the best years ever on that river was the year I started and uh, got into the flathead and then started, obviously, the YouTube stuff and mm-hmm. got into traveling all over and fishing for everything. How did you get into the YouTube thing, though? Um, I met, I heard of Jacob, so I, we, me and Jacob started the channel, Northwoods Angry. Right, right. And before that, I had... And what's your channel now, though? Fish on Luke. Okay, so I'll link that in the bio so you guys can check that yep, out, too. It's kind of my own thing now, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. New adventure start, but I heard about Jacob, and everyone's like, oh, Jacob's owns this big successful mortgage company i had no idea who he was mm-hmm. and i knew he caught a lot of big fish i've seen his pictures he fished a lot and and you wanted to learn how to catch said big fish no and i man. i started talking to him and like we became friends and like a month after we had met i met him remember i met him at the lindale boat ramp on the minnesota river yep. i might have even been with kimball at the time to be honest and he was down there in his dodge dakota with his with his old boat and introduced myself we met became friends and he's like man i really want to go catch big gator gar in texas because mm-hmm. our friend brian clawwitter has one mounted and uh i was like dude i've seen on river monsters i want to go do that yeah and uh like the next month we had just became friends we went to texas together and started the channel on the way to texas and started filming <laughs> with his cannon and a gopro and that's it we caught a 200 pound alligator gar our first ever video on yeah. our first video we ever made, as we just became friends, and that's the start of it. How do those things fight? Like, they're big fish, but not every big fish fights hard. Do they, they jump a lot. They do. Yeah, yeah, and they dig hard, but... I can see... You can see the jumps, you yep. know? You can, But there's a big difference between what you see and what you experience when you're fighting. In them. terms of, like, how much I enjoy it, it's... Well, I'm just trying to debate if I want to go fish for them. They're cool big fish. No fish works you, so... I haven't found one yet. You can poke fun all you want. I, I want to find the fish that pushes me like physically. And, and this is the guy one. that just got back from the Amazon, did a bunch of shows there, and nothing worked yet. No, no. Ah, that's impressive. White but sturgeon I didn't catch w- a big cat either. A white sturgeon will work you. That I believe. Yes. That I absolutely That's believe. one I know will. Yeah. Yes. So that we have one freshwater fish that without a doubt would kick my ass. A gar will not. A gar won't. A gar will fight you like a sturgeon, but it's faster Okay. and it's quicker. Okay. I guess that'd probably be similar to like the arapaima. I guess I did catch a 200-pound arapaima in the Jesus. Amazon. <laughs> but if I would have had a, a big enough net to put the arapaima into it... Wouldn't have been a problem. It would have been in the boat in two minutes. Like most of it was just me just holding on to the rod as we like took the boat to the bank to land it. Well, I know like um, the bigger lake sturgeon in the metro area here and up on the rainy river they get 
upwards of 120, 140 pounds on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. They'll work you. And the key to that is to crank the drag down on your reel all the way. Right. Just to give yourself some. That's the only way I yeah. fish, John. Yeah. Straight Well, heat. you and I get along Straight great. Straight heat all yeah. the time. Because everybody always drag. gives me a bad time for doing that. I always have my drag cranked as far as it'll go. I'm yeah. like, I don't want Anytime I'm with John trying to film, I was like, John, you got to slow down. No. No, you don't, John. <laughs> don't listen to him. I'm like, I'm 300 pounds for a reason. I'm going to use this Absolutely. <laughs> No, man. Like, I actually brought my lighter setups for sturgeon because I wanted to, to have, like, play out the fight a little bit more. But it sounds like if I hook a 60 to 70 incher, I'm going to wish I had the beefier. Yeah, setup. it's game changing. Yeah. 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 yeah, about 55 inches is probably the cutoff. Once you get above that, they, uh, they're they a whole different animal. And I've never even seen one that big. I'm, I'm a sturgeon. Stur- I have sturgeonity. Is that. Sturginity? Yeah. You yeah. lost your sturginity though. I, but not on a big dog. Not on a white either. No. That's You're, just I would go do it. It's just so damn far. I mean how, I mean it's what, twenty hour drive out there? You don't drive. You fly. So you have to fly. If if I can't drive there at a reasonable distance, like it's hard for me to want to go fish for something other than catfish. You'd like it. I'm sure I would. <laughs> They live a boring, simple life, but they're... You, you poke fun at that, too. <laughs> I like fish, not just because, like, how they fight, but what what they do. He digs into the depth of the living being that is there. Like, walleyes, and we're going to talk about walleyes here in a second, but I, I think walleyes are cool because I think they are nomadic fish that hunt all the time, and then they're real finicky at times and just chill out and... Um, I don't know. I just find them really interesting. Does he say, say the same thing about bass? No, he doesn't. <laughs> no. But I'll tell you what. I took Spencer out <clears throat> and his wife a few weeks ago, and we had a little discussion. He's like, they're kind of, you know, they're a cool fish to catch, but they're kind of boring. His wife was the complete opposite. Absolutely. She loved it. She was smiling ear to ear. He's like, she never smiles like that for me when she caught her first one. It was like 50-something inches. Yeah. She couldn't stop grinning. She was so happy. She was her dream to catch one. So She'd been talking about sturgeon for a long time. And for you to be nice enough to take us out and for her to catch one, it was just that like, was so made fun. the trip. And I really appreciate it. Caught nine fish that night. That was a fun night. Yes. That yeah, every great. now and then you get those better nights yeah. that it's just kind of nonstop action. Yeah, not like tonight. No. <laughs> I did miss one. I, I did pulled the old YouTuber mistake. I clicked instead of yeah. trying to reel the fish down. He I took a second first. to turn the camera on. Too late. Too late. Oh yeah. Pop. You know the. Uh, you guys told me you were out there tonight, and I was like, "You're freaking nuts." It was, I think, 17 mile an hour gusting to 30. It was winds. insane. It felt futile. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be the word I'd use for it. It was not good. <laughs> and I mean, all right, to paint you the picture, you can catch fish, lots of fish in those types of conditions. We could have walleye fished and probably had a shot at catching a walleye. We could have catfished, probably had a shot at catching a catfish. Sturgeon, regardless of size, correct me if I'm wrong with anything, bite extremely light. And you need to have your rods in a position where you can detect that really light bite and be yeah, on the rod Most of the time. Yeah, I would say 80%, 90% of the time yeah, that's true. But there, the there are days where even the, even when the conditions are crappy that the fish will basically catch themselves. The yeah. rainy, that happens a lot more because yeah, yeah. there's current there. Sure, yeah. that makes sense. So they're, they they're sucking it and going. The the, that poop work. mouth's yeah. just sucking and they're rolling. <laughs> the poop mouth. Yeah. I would have never thought of that. I'm glad you brought that up. It's true, though. It's absolutely true. <laughs> well, there's worse analogies, but uh, we'll leave that off the off the airwaves. I think I think everybody knows where you're going with that, so we're good there. All right. So, what about carp then? 
carp get big and fight hard? Do you fish for those? I love fishing carp, yeah. Okay. See, and I've gone carp we, fishing we carp a few fish, times. yeah. See, I don't because I look at carp the same way I look at sturgeon. We do it just for the fight, pretty much. Yeah. And you never know what you're going to... When you got a worm down in the river, especially here in the Minnesota, I'm sure it's everywhere, but you never know what you're going to really catch. Right. And it's probably accentuated here because you have a, a strong population of a variety of species. Yes. Where, where I'm at, if you put a worm in the river, 99% of what you catch is carp or small channel cats. You get buffalo? Sheephead? Um, oh, yeah. A lot of sheephead. I forgot about those. Um, we have a very, very good population of uh aren't there four species of buffalo big mouth and small mouth in minnesota and then there's the black buffalo and there's one other one i can't remember what it is i think iowa has all four do they and we have a pile of big mouth buffalo okay yeah yeah they're cool they're it's cool how they live so long and one is it the big mouth or small mouth that's a filter feeder one of them is. One of them is. I don't which, remember which one. And they're one. all sucker species, which is crazy. Yeah. It's weird. They're not carp. A lot of people, they call them buffalo carp, but they're not carp at all. No. And common carp are actually a minnow. Right. So they're the like, minnow family, yeah. yeah. They're the largest minnow. <laughs> Nobody listening thought they were going to get a science lesson, but you yeah, are. The Minnesota River is full of all kinds of crazy things. I. Do you have muskies in there? Yeah, there are some. Yeah, there, some. Not yeah, very yeah. many. There's a lot more northerns than there are muskies. There yeah. are a lot of pike in there, though. And uh, But one of the weirder things that we catch are some of the other types of suckers. There's a quillback carp sucker that my friend uh, Nick Nick has the state record on. Yep. He, caught a, he caught that out of my boat, just throwing crawlers on the bottom. And They're wonderful the, flathead. And there's just, yeah. So he that's the river carp sucker. River carp sucker. Yeah. And, and then there's a quillback. Then there's a quillback. Yep. Then we have the red horse. Yep. Hognose. Hognose. We have the white. Yep. We have blue suckers, which is yep. one I want to catch. I've never caught. Bucket you, list for me. I can take, I mean, they're not common, but there's a, a spot in Iowa that has a really good chance, as good a chance as have you're you going to get. Have you caught one? I have, I have a buddy who caught oh, a nine pound. Oh, that's so yeah. sick. Pretty good population of moon eyes in the Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. we don't have those. I think they're, I've never actually caught one. I've used them for bait and. I've, I've diced up many of them, but I've never actually caught one. Then you go to the red, and it's all gold eye. Yeah, and they damn near look. Most the same. people think they're the same fish. They look. What's almost it's something identical. with their tail fin? Their uh, their dorsal and their anal dorsal fin. and anal fin, and there is uh, one's level and one's offset. Yeah. yeah, and you got the other species of sturgeon in the Minnesota River, the shovel nose. Have, yeah, the shovel nose, and, and then the you lake. get the occasional really fun odd catch there's uh, american eels in the river system oh really yeah. oh yeah they're believe it or not they are in central iowa i've heard of two being caught ever i think i've probably i'm probably over 10 in my boat okay in the, in the there is no years. more crazy of a lifestyle than one of those fish mm-hmm. nothing well i don't know i know what they do when they live in the ocean yeah they come from the uh sargasso sargasso sea, sea yeah in the atlantic yeah and then they migrate up the river systems Live I think their, the Delaware is one of the big ones. And they live Maybe their, not. And they live their adult life in freshwater up here. I mean, that's thousands of miles they yeah. travel. It's crazy. No big deal. Right. <laughs> and you think about the sturgeon and paddlefish travel a long, long, long yeah. ways, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles, but it takes them years to do that. Does right. it take the eels years? I would assume so. I'm not sure. They can't. Because all have, of the eels here are adults. Right. They don't have jetpacks strapped to their ass, so you they're not going to like zip over there. It's going to take um, them a while. So I had a chat with Joel. Um, he's the river person, the river biologist for the Croix. Okay. He does all of our fish tagging and telemetry tagging. And tracking fish, he said, uh, 
so we had, we were talking about estimates on population fish population here in the St. Croix River for sturgeon specifically, and how uh, he said most almost all sturgeon that live in the Croix never leave it. They don't even go to the Mississippi. They have a direct there, route there. There are some that do. Yeah. But he said most that are there never leave that have telemetry tags. Huh. Which is interesting. It's not what you would assume. I but don't know. It's I a just lot assume... cleaner water on the Croix. Yeah. It's it a is. lot more, you know, pr- the, look at the mud puppy population. It just shows how clean that water is in the Croix. Yeah, that's one of the best indicators. Yep. I actually caught a mud puppy in Iowa, not this fall, but the fall before. And I had to report it to the DNR. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, threatened in Minnesota, but the Croix is the one place where they're very mm-hmm. populous. Same deal in Iowa. Yep. yep. I've, I've caught them on the Minnesota, too. Yeah, I have, too. I've caught one on the Minnesota, which is a good sign because the Minnesota is getting cleaner. It used to be one of the most contaminated bodies of water in our state, well, what, 25 years ago? Yeah. There's a lot of industry, and it's the smallest river I've ever seen a barge on. That yeah, was kind of amazing. Yeah, it's, weird. Only the, uh, it's only the lower, what? 18 20 miles we went to the end of the channelized part today okay but still it's it's just weird to see a river that's you should see them three deep coming down that on those corners it's probably damn near full it's crazy you need to move (laughs) yeah you gotta you gotta find a creek or a cut or something and get get the hell out of their way they're like a train you know (laughs) they can't just hit the brakes so they'll let you know real quick if you're in the way if they see you hell yeah all right Go into the elephant in the room that everyone's wondering about. And by everyone, I mean just me. <laughs> what, what's the big deal with walleyes in Minnesota? Is it a tradition thing? It seems like that shit runs like super deep. It, it's very deep. And it, but what's the origin? It honest, I think it, it, it influences the laws in our state so much for fishing. I think a lot of it is uh, publicity and tourism. Um, Minnesota kind of has always marketed itself as the, you know, destination for vacationers that want to come up and experience the land of 10,000 lakes. And, you know, there's all these lakes in the northern, uh, you know, 50% of the state. And most of those lakes at one time were full of cabin rentals and, and uh, you know, facilities that catered just to incoming walleye fishermen for tourism. And I think that's just hanging on. I mean, it's uh, most of those lakes now are private property all the way around. They don't, yeah. There's not as many rentals and things like that. And uh, and anything within two three hours of the metro here is all um, you know people's second homes now. It's not mm-hmm. uh, it's not as remote as it used to be. But uh, there, yeah, there's just a huge tradition thing with the walleye, and I think it uh, it does influence the the regulations and the the politicians that grew up with their dads telling walleye stories and. There's a lot of money that's involved in the stocking of walleye in this state. I just, but, I mean, the stocking of the walleye is because of the demand for walleyes. I just see all these people in Iowa that don't hardly fish throughout the year and talk about how they fish all the time, and they're fishing all the time as they go to Canada, drive 20 hours yeah. to Canada that's crazy. to fish for a week, two times a year. To catch some walleyes. To catch some walleyes. And I love walleyes. Like, I'm not talking down on walleyes. I I think they're cool fish. They're fun to catch. They they don't fight worth the shit. No, but. especially on catfish gear. <laughs> yeah, but I, I understand wanting to do the, you know, week-long trips with your buddies and the tradition. But you can fish for a lot that. cooler fish yeah, and yeah, do a week-long true. trip, that's you know? True. Like, if I'm driving, that's my thing with the red. I want to go up and fish channel cats, but if I'm going to drive 12 hours to fish for 20-pound channel cat, I drive 12 hours south and have a hell of a shot at a 100-pound blue cat. 
Well, I think if the uh, if the word got out about how many nine pound plus walleyes the river guys well, catch here in the metro, don't say anything about it. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, you don't always have to drive six hours we're not, to catch. We're not walleyes. talking about that today. The right. the rule, <laughs> honestly, my my, I'll, I'll let you guys say what you want, but my rule is if we're talking about Iowa waters, you don't name the water. That's we, my rule. We can say this that the Mississippi River. <laughs> In Red Wing has giant walleye, lots of walleye, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't fish the river because they don't know how to fish rivers. Except the 400 boats that are going to be there. Those are the guys, man. But that's minuscule to the amount of people that would fish it if they were comfortable doing it. Okay. I'm following what you're saying. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, that 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 body of water isn't stocked. It 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 reproduces on its own. It's a very healthy population of fish. When you that, put a camera down, that's mind blowing. When you put a me. camera down and they're not biting, there's hundreds of walleye below you. Yeah. And they just it's don't ins- care. It's crazy. I mean, it's a, it's a great fishery. Even the whole, a lot of the Mississippi chain, even down to like to lacrosse and down past lacrosse. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Walleye fishing. Once you figure out how to catch walleyes on rivers. And even, uh, even the bass fishing is good down lacrosse area, small mouth and large mouth. Yeah. And so is white bass is amazing on the, on that mm-hmm. stretch of the river. I mean, it's a special body of water, big lake sturgeon in Red Wing. You're right. I don't back to the wall. I think I'm just flabbergasted <laughs> that people drive so far. This I, is, I agree. It's crazy. This is the furthest I've ever, well, I've been to Canada once, if, but that the the intention wasn't to catch walleyes. The intention was to hang out with my dad for a week. If I go up to Lake of the Woods to catch walleye, I'm not going because to catch walleye. Why I'm going? going there to hang out with my friends, have a good time up there, mm-hmm. and we fish and catch sturgeon. Since you're going to be up that way by the it, rainy anyway. It's true. It's one. They're they're like the croix sturgeon, but on steroids. Yeah, they get girthier and bigger on on average. What do you think the difference is? They don't have shad up there. There's no way. It's an. I think it's an older population on the rainy. Um, I forget what it was. It's not only older population. There are some some minor genetic differences, but I think the key is the current. Mm. I think having that you know three to four mile an hour river current all the time uh, forces those fish to to have a different physiology. But that's contrary to say blue cats. You know, if you catch a blue cat in a river versus a blue cat in a lake or same with flatheads, generally the lake fish are plumper than but the these river. But this fish. is girth of muscle, not not gut. But you're going to I mean, I don't know the when the, you work the body and, fat composition of a blue cat think out about of a it, lake versus this, a river. This is but, a good this is a good a thing to say. When you sit on your couch all day and eat popcorn and Cheetos. But you're trying you're, to you're apply gut- human principles to a fish, oh, and it I, doesn't always transfer I'm, that I'm way. I'm doing that right now. Your gut gets big. You don't get more mass above and in spots. But when you get sturgeon, they're not getting bigger, like fatter. They're just getting stronger and wider. Like, I think they're a different fish. They could be. I mean, just different compared to a lot yeah, of the, There's talk that there are some sm- uh, small genetic differences, but... I'm not talking about genetically, like, that strain is different from sturgeon and other strains. I'm just talking about lake sturgeon in general are just respond differently to external stimuli than a lot of other, like, the bony fishes, you know? Like, they're cartilaginous fish that's in a freshwater ecosystem. They're going to respond differently than others. And they have different forage there, too. And that's well. That, that's why I said they don't have shad. What are they eating up there? Shiners and they have just a big the world's shiner biggest emerald shiners. Giant shiner golds, I think, up there. Okay. Giant shiner runs up on the rainy river. When I was in Wisconsin, I was blown away, blown away by the number and size of emerald shiners. 
like five to six inch emerald shiners. Emeralds? So th- emeralds so thick you'd think you'd be able to walk across the freaking river. <laughs> it was we, pretty cool. They get like that on the Minnesota River, but not that big. Yeah, these two were to four inches tops. Two to four. These yeah. and that's what I'm used to seeing, yep. you know, your two to fours, but these were freak shows. Like mm-hmm. like literally, you know, you need two hands. I wear extra large gloves and it takes two hands for me to that's, show how big awesome. these freaking things are. Yeah, and I guess I guess some of that conversation kinda goes away when you think about the the Winnebago fish. I mean, those fish are in a lake. There's no current, but they look like rainy fish. They're, they're big. Huge. They're huge. And so maybe the current argument really doesn't and hold And I believe there. they're the biggest lake sturgeon in the country, correct? Yeah, they get upwards yeah. of 200 pounds on in a regular Wisconsin. basis in Wisconsin. Okay. Giants. Wait, on what system? Uh, Winnebago. Lake. Is that the one where they spear them? Yeah. Yeah, so you can't fish them open water. <clears throat> They like, don't. They don't even have a catch and release season. You cannot catch and release them out there. But you can spear. But you can spear. Them. And there's there's yellow. I believe Yellow Lake is also one with big sturgeon in Wisconsin. Do you too. think that's a tradition thing too? Yes. yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's got to be. Well, I mean, there there has to be some management plan from Wisconsin DNR on the uh, on the sturgeon, and because of the tradition impacts of the spearing that's the method they they choose yeah rather than allowing open angling some yeah. of those lake surgeon in that lake look like white sturgeon for size just because they're so they're so big. big dude all right what do you guys love about sturgeon so much we already talked why i think it, they're kind of melodramatic they just i made a post the other day this is exactly runs into that is there's no fish that fights harder in, in this state yeah there isn't it. People say lake trout fight harder. I've caught giant lake trout. Yeah. They, I'd, I'd argue it's the entire Midwest. There's no fish that fight harder. You're probably right. But I wonder if a hybrid striper weighed, like, if you took a 60-inch laker or lake sturgeon, and what would that fish weigh? 60-inch lake sturgeon? Yeah. 80, 90 pounds? No, 60 maybe. It would depend on It girth. depends on the girth. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's any fish. Let's, Let's just, say yeah. 50 to 70. Okay, so we'll call it a 60. If a hybrid striper got to 60 pounds, I wonder how the fight would compare. If a bluegill got to 60 pounds, it wouldn't be. No, I don't think that bluegill would fight as good as you. Everyone says, oh, if a bluegill okay, got how this, about this. Needless to say, they don't get there. That's or, why we fish for sturgeon. Or a, a, a smallmouth, a two, three-pound smallmouth. Hybrids will blow a smallmouth out of the water. Are you talking about wipers? Yeah, hybrid stripers. I've caught wipers. Me too, and know. I've caught smallmouth. I don't know. I've caught five-pound hybrids. I've caught five-pound smallmouth. That freaking wiper. I guess I, I caught my you wiper. You tie him tail to tail. That hybrid's dragging him all over the lake. Yeah, man. I don't think. I just don't think anything. I'm just. I, in pound for pound, it's a whole different argument. But nothing pulls harder than a sturgeon in the Midwest. Yeah, that gets that big yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, we could speculate on this argument all we want. A medium sized sturgeon fights harder than anything in the state. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's not even about catching fish. Uh, the river lifestyle is kind of, uh, you know. The river lifestyle is kind of a whole different animal in terms of relaxation and bottom fishing. And, and it's a and lifestyle. It, it is. is. I love it. Yeah. It's the best. I mean, I'm not standing there on my casting deck making a thousand casts in an afternoon. I'm sitting in my, you know, comfy air ride chairs in my boat listening to the radio waiting for a sturgeon to bite. So there's certainly a... a a laziness, I guess I would call it to it, that I really enjoy. It's kind of I, I it's my to church. Say relaxation. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's spiritual in its own way. It can be. Yeah, if you look at it that yep. way. John's a big fan here. Big fan of playing really really loud music when he flathead fishes. Well, you, did you say what kind of music? Everything. Rap, classical. No 
country. No country. No country. <laughs> he won't. He lets me. He, we fish enough together. Where he'll, he'll let me play country sometimes. I'm the only one probably that gets to play country in his boat. What's your? Who's your favorite rap artist? Um, you know, I grew up in the inner city in Indiana. Yeah. And uh, you know, I always had a tape of uh, Too Short, Sir Mix a Lot, the old school stuff. Like That's the, old. Before maybe got school, back. Yeah. Um, you know, Easy E, NWA. I like Easy E. Yeah, I mean, I I went to high school from '86 to '90, so that kind of ages me a little bit. But you know, those were the years that Beastie Boys came out with "License to Ill." That yep, I have know. that. I I had that CD growing up. I had my best flathead. And night. I was born when you were in high school, and I still had that CD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But my best flathead night of my entire life was with him playing too short as loud as we possibly could. The whole boat was shaking, and the fish would not stop eating bullheads. There's sometimes they just don't give it's a crazy. shit. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. in, in general, the uh, the apex predator of a system isn't going to care about some vibrations from music. See, and I disagree. I'm not... Well... I used to be like you until yeah, I fished. I dis- <laughs> so, I've, had, I've had boats pull up to me with their engines running and I'm not, while I'm blasting music, and I'm catching fish during the whole thing in five feet of water. Here's my theory. Hear me out. Lots of times they don't care, but sometimes they do. Okay. And I want to catch those fish that when they do sometimes care about vibration, but I want to get them. I'm going to argue the other way that I actually think that music helps. Do do they like it more? They come up break dancing when you put them in the net. No, but when you're in an all metal boat and you've got speakers in the boat, it vibrates the metal surfaces, which in turns puts a little vibration in your line, which keeps your bait more active. Ooh. That's deep. Because you're fishing with live baits see, and braided line that doesn't stretch and transfers those vibrations. See, I think it's too unnatural. They're very aware of all that those things. You ever and hear I, clonking? Oh, yeah. What do you think of that? I think it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know clonking, John? It's yeah. a big wooden I've, paddle. I've heard of it. I've Did you? It. There was a, a catfishing <laughs> video series. I can't remember the name of it. But they had a, a fairly well-esteemed catfishing guide who I'm not going to mention on here. And he was advocating for clonking. Let's talk about it. Who is it? You don't, the name doesn't matter. Okay. Because, especially because I have a lot of respect for the guy. Okay. I think he was just trying to make a buck and yeah. more power to him. There was, there was an old school river rat guy that kinda, Oh, you broke it. Nope, I got it. We're good. Oh. <laughs> there was a... Uh, <clears throat> you might have to uns- on the sc- unscrew the little doodad there a little bit. Sorry about that. <clears throat> there was a uh, an old school river wreck guy that got me into fishing yeah. uh, on the rivers here in Minnesota. And uh, he and I had fished for a couple of years, and that article about the clonking came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we tried several times to reproduce that. Yeah, That same summer, uh, he was on a mission to try to catch a flathead on a spinnerbait. Okay. So he had actually made some uh, big spinner baits with probably two ounces of lead on them mm-hmm. just to keep them down in the water column like a little bit. slow rolling Yeah, slow rolling spinner baits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we tried that that whole season. Didn't have any luck. We never caught one on a spinner bait. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, you see, like, in Spain, they're catching Wells cats on yeah. top water and, uh, and different types of plugs and baits there. So I, I, I have to imagine a flathead would eat it. The problem with the Minnesota River is the water quality and visibility. I guess I shouldn't say quality, but the water visibility is poor enough that I think the flatheads have a hard time picking up, um, you know, constantly moving baits. But like a flathead's that. not a whelks. Like they're totally different species, Correct. existing in different ecosystems, Correct. eating but different I, but things. But I think if you had clear enough water quality, 
I think a flathead would eat a live bait, and I know guys that have caught them on jigs and plastics. I Wait, know guys. You mean have, a flatheaded? You said a flatheaded eat a live bait or a, a artificial lure? Oh I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Don't you fish flats with plastics occasionally? Yeah. yeah. There's certain situations where I throw jig and swim baits for them regularly. And yeah. to add to your point, I just contradicted you just for fun. Um, <laughs> I have a buddy in North Carolina who caught a flathead. He sent me a picture of a flathead he caught on a mouse topwater mouse and he went out with the intention of catching a flathead awesome. on a topwater can mouse. I, can i make an admission oh absolutely There's, i just remember this now that we're talking about what fish hear and feel in the water yeah because obviously catfish have super crazy sensory organs yeah they they know you're there no matter how quiet you are right. they know you're there um when i started catfishing on the red river i did a little research on what frequencies fish here and specifically trying to figure out what cat freak mm-hmm. frequencies catfish here i downloaded a frequency app on my phone this might sound kind of stupid, but I was just testing some stuff out. Dude, nothing stupid until you find out it's stupid. I found the frequency. <laughs> you got to figure it out I Figured out what frequency fish respond to. You know what yeah. they call that frequency? It's the brown note. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You ever uh, see that South Park episode? Where they not. find the brown note on their recorders and make I, everybody poop their pants? <laughs> <laughs> I got to finish this You story. get the right frequency, you're all in trouble. <laughs> So what I would do when I was getting, when I would get a tap, yep. I'd play that frequency I got on my phone and press it up against my line on the speaker of my phone. Did it work? I have no clue. Dude, but it's so hard to figure out the whys and to say like this fish did this because of this, because there's so many damn variables out there. It's tough to eliminate them. If you have the right statistical analysis and you're, I don't. I don't even have the words to describe it. I know it's possible, but... So I should have changed my channel name Frequency Fisher, but I didn't do that. I mean, there's still time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, the the funny thing is I fish with a lot of guys that are very analytical about catfishing, and they try to overthink things and and plan it out and try to keep track of, you know, figures and how how they caught this one and that one. I'm the absolute opposite. Mm -hmm. I spend all day as an engineer looking at numbers. Sure. When I'm out catfishing... Music's blaring, relaxing in my chair. Yep. Give zero farts about whether I'm going to catch a fish or not. Yeah. You know, you know so. one thing John taught me that I always have you, you don't, I don't, he probably doesn't know this, but years ago when I started fishing with John, he said a good spot on the Minnesota River is will always be the first good structure next to a hole. Yeah. And that's always what I say to people like, find the closest good structure to the nearest deep hole and fish it. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even have to be good structure. I would say I always try to fish the first piece of structure, whether it's even a single branch or a, or a log sticking up, the first piece of structure up and down from a from a hole in, mm-hmm. a, in a corner. Um, you know, it doesn't always pan out, but that's a good starting point. What a lot of people do is uh, overthink spots too as well. I I can tell you I've caught fish on spots that nobody else would ever even think to throw an anchor. Right. You just – you go out on a on a Friday night, you know, it used to be some of the ramps in the metro here, you'd never see anybody. But now they, there can be 10, 12 boats at some of the ramps. And uh, and I hear about guys getting frustrated. Hey, so-and-so's on my spot and this mm-hmm. and that. And I'm go, I'll go out of my way to never fish the same spots, you know, in the same week even. Yeah. I've stolen so many of John's spots. Yeah, everybody everybody does. And it's it's natural and it doesn't bother me. Like if if I'm out on the river in my bright yellow freaking boat, yeah, and 
you know, six boats drive by me, and then the next day I post all these fish that I've caught. They know where it was. I know all six of those boats are going to be fighting over that spot that I was sitting John's on. John's right. the king of if there's a lot of people, he's not fishing there. Like, right. he's, he's like, there's going to be a lot of people out there. I'm like, it's let's a, go somewhere else. That's I, why I got I a jet say, boat. I would right. say, John. Yeah, that is handy. I always say, John, you're catch way more fish than Oh, you know what there. I just realized? <laughs> we all three have a jet boat. Heck yeah. You're dang right. The Jet Boat Podcast. That might be the name of this one. Yep. That's now, to uh, add to your point, and I, there's some things I agree with and some things I disagree with, but the biggest thing that you talked about is the biggest thing I agree with. Really with catfishing or fishing in general, um, the details don't really matter that much. The The ultimate thing for catching fish is just spending time on the water. Yeah, getting and, some confidence in what you're doing. That's well, really key. And if you're enjoying yourself because you're comfortable listening to music, you're going to spend more time on the water than if you tweaked something because you think it was going to make a difference and you maybe you turn off your radio and you get bored and you go home two hours earlier. Like if you would have stayed out those extra two hours, then you catch that fish you wouldn't have otherwise. Right. We talked about that when we were out last time is people see all these fish we catch sometimes when I fished a lot, you know, a few years ago, I was mm-hmm. fishing every day. People like, man, you catch a lot of big fish. I fish a lot. Right. I mean, it's not like I'm just that good at fishing. I put my time in on the water and I'm on the water a lot throwing lines in. That's the only way you're going to do it. Yeah. There's some nuances. I, I can't disagree with that. There's some little things that you can do in certain situations, but it all varies so much that it kind of does become convoluted and, and super overly detailed if you want to get to that point. But if you just want to go hang out on the water, just go hang out on the water and put your, you know, a big bait close to deep water with some structure, you know, whether in it or close to it, and you're going to eventually catch a big fish or at least have a shot. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I'm out, having any kind of technical conversation in the boat it's not about fishing yeah it's usually uh you know my other engineer friends and i talking about whether a cup of boiling water freezes faster or regular tap water when you put it in the freezer or how you can make your bomb go boom or yeah how i can make my explosives a little bit louder or uh (laughs) or make rocket engines a little bit more efficient Um, when me and john fish it literally consists of us harmonizing to different songs (laughs) luke Luke and i'll sit sit and sing and play musical instruments in the boat we're absolute idiots and that's what i like about it it's he, a good break he brings a from, little flute in the boat sometimes what's yeah, it pickle? it's a recorder a recorder a recorder yeah. oh like, yeah did you steal it from your daughter yeah she was yeah, yeah. Elementary? absolutely yep <laughs> and uh and i usually have a harmonica and uh you know and the radio and whatever we usually have something going on that's just stupid and silly Luke was dancing in one video a couple years yeah. ago. and a little break dancing, a little pop and locking. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I still can't get that image out of my that, head. But That person you're taking fishing tomorrow <coughs> that yeah. we talked about, um, great guitar player and vocalist. Really? So, so bring your karaoke machine. Yeah. yeah you're going to be, uh, you're going to be singing. It's going to be great. Maybe I'll grab my daughter's little, uh, uh, ukulele downstairs or whatever yeah. and throw it in the boat just for. All right, so you're playing it off. Well, maybe I mean you're not playing it off. Like this, this is who you guys are and what you do. And you you say you don't take it serious, but there's got to be some level of focused thought and consideration when you go out. And I mean, you look at like all the equipment you have. Like we're sitting in a we're just to let you know where this podcast <laughs> is occurring. We're sitting in John's 
badass 20 some foot kingfisher inboard jet boat that'll go 45 mile an hour through through, oh it's custom weld custom weld um it'll go 45 mile an hour through three inches of water you know this is a mean machine and the equipment you know factors in i mean i'm sure rods reels and everything else is, is is pretty good stuff do you think this this equipment, the boats, the rods, the the reels, the line, hooks, everything makes you more likely to catch those big fish? Or no. do you think? Absolutely not. So what's the biggest thing? Time on the water. Okay. But um, you're gonna tell me that if you spend ten hours on the water with all these available resources and I roll down to the bank with my five gallon bucket of, of suckers and a fishing rod and I spend ten hours on the water. I'm going to have the same odds as you or better. Better. Why? Uh, one of the best flathead fishermen in this entire state fished out of a 14-foot tin boat for the last 15 years. What's the difference? Time on the water. It's just how much he fished and he how fishes good he more. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying I'm not talking about time on the water now. We're comparing apples to apples. This is 10 hours yeah, on ap- the bank. A- apples to apples, it doesn't help me catch any more fish, but what it does do is give me a level of comfort in the boat that is uncomparable. But aren't you thinking straighter when you're comfortable? Well, it's, it's not so much. You're comfort- not worried about how freaking cold you are. <laughs> it's not you're so much that kind of like comfortable. It's comfortable that, to the rod tips. It's not that I'm worried about being comfortable in my chair in the boat while I'm sitting there anchored. It's that I'm comfortable when I'm 12 miles up river. That when it gets dark, I don't have to worry about hitting a log on the surface of the river. Yeah. I can cruise at 30 miles an hour in pitch black with my headlights on and be 100% confident that I'm going to get back to the ramp without having any significant damage to my boat. So that's why I like the jet boat with the heavy bottom. And um, I'm talking about all of it. You know, your time on the water. You can ask Luke. Until this year, um, I, I got into some of those uh, Mad Cats rods. But prior to that, I had two ugly stick tiger rods that I had been using for 16 years. And me and Luke literally talked about how those are the most underappreciated catfish rods out there. Yeah, and I had those for 16 years, my tigers. John is the le- uh-uh. least gear snob you'll ever meet that fishes as much as he does. Yeah, my gear is not top are you? Are you not? What about your walleye gear? Those are the biggest. I just have like a Fluger President reel cheap on stuff, some cheap dude. stuff. But I do just as well as some of the guys that have expensive John's stuff. really sure. humble. He's really good at fishing. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good. <laughs> uh, you know, like pitching jigs in the river, it's more of a technique thing mm-hmm. and having a feel for those angles as you're working a current seam. Than have you it ever is. picked up a G. Loomis NRX? No, he's don't, he's used. Don't. My, he, he's he's. I'm not saying you're gonna like pick it up and be like, oh, I have he, to have. He's this. used my expensive rods before, and he it, dude, he it doesn't matter. He he's out fishing me every time. <laughs> my, my 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 main walleye rod is an old Shakespeare IM6. <laughs> he's not kidding. It's absolute garbage, but <laughs> it uh, it doesn't seem to matter though. Like I'm out with guys with don't higher let, end gear don't let this boat fool you, Spencer. This is his thing. Like, no, there's, there's, I, I know the answer to the question. I just, I just think it's fun to talk about. Yeah, I just, um, I've never been much of a gear snob because I don't treat my gear very well. I tend to throw my rods in the bottom of the boat and, yeah. and not treat them very well. So I'm not going to spend $200 just on a rod. Well, I'm and not, you I'm bought the right that. flathead rod to do that with. Cause yeah, up, those tigers, I beat the crap out of them. And those mad cats, I've been beating those up too. They've been holding up okay. Well, that leads, all right, here's another discussion. Is there even really that much of a difference between most catfish rods? No. I would say no. 
I mean, and even talking, if there was a difference, would you <clears throat> notice it? I mean, there's a difference in the bend. I'm snobby enough, or maybe I shouldn't even say snobby. I'm, I've fo- like I've dealt, I've built rods. I paid attention to a lot of different, like the way blanks bend. I bend every blank I have the chance to. And there's a difference in bends from one yes. brand to another. Difference in, I mean, bend action. Um, well, let me let me let me put it to you this way: If I was doing circle hook fishing for channel cats, yeah, I would be much more in tune with what that rod bend was and what the action at the tip was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't fish for channel cats. So you're comparing that to what? Like if you were fishing circles for channel cats versus, I would want a much softer tip that had that that fed into us st- a, a a good backbone right but i'd want that tip to be a little softer right but are you comparing like you would be more in tune to the type of rod you use if you were fishing for channel cats yeah versus yeah. fishing for something else yeah because flatheads don't give a crap if you have a rod that's that loads up or not you as long as you can t- tell your live bait's doing what it's supposed to do the tip action really doesn't help you fight the fish. See, that much. I'll, I won't disagree, but I'll, I'll disagree. Like for fighting the fish, I don't think it matters. But to have a soft tip rod, what I think that helps you with flatheads is the same thing. It helps you with the channel cats. Is it helps you set the hook. It helps that give that hook point time to find home. I don't and, fish circles for flatheads, and I'm not talking about circles either. I'm talking about J hooks or circles. That's uh, it. Doesn't have to be like stupid soft. Especially yeah. for J's, but I like a little bit of give. My hookup ratio. Oh, I, I agree with you. I like my rod softer. Uh, like I've got a ten footer sitting right here. That's a graphite rod. I'll never. I I, I refuse to use it because it's too stiff. That's my point that I'm getting at. Is for I don't want to use a musky rod for flatheads. Right. Yeah, I want like an ugly stick tiger I want that gives fiberglass. Like, I want a little, glass, a little give soft. on yeah, the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's the quality necessarily. I think it's, it's the characteristics. The, the characteristic of the yeah, rod. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of fishermen confuse the cost of equipment versus the effectiveness for what you want to do with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I see a lot of new guys always asking, you know, what kind of rod should they get, and mm-hmm. people are recommending these custom rods that are. It's know, hard to describe. Two hundred and fifty dollars, and I'm like. Your first catfish rod should not be a two hundred fifty dollar rod. It should be a Walmart special, until until you get freaking enough Shakespeare time on the water. Sturdy stick yeah. is what it should be. <laughs> Look at this I'm, one right here. What does this red one say? I don't that, know. That was one of my first catfish rods in Minnesota. What does that say on it? I don't know. You tell us. Can you turn it and see what the lettering looks like? Says? A Shimano. Is it a red bird? It's red a red line. It's a Shimano like. Uh, it's a Shimano for sure. I think. Yeah, that's a thirteen dollar rod. It's fiberglass and has a little bend on the tip. It's perfect. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's. Exactly. I, I'm like. I'm like you. I'm a. I'm, I'm a snob to how they bend. Like if I'm confident in a rod, it makes a big difference yeah. in my mind. Sure. But because it's in your mind, yes. it makes a difference. Yeah. So it makes a difference. Confidence is big, man. Oh yeah. I mean, it affects your actions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're confident in it and you think it'll work, and then you're more likely to do the things that'll lead to it. So I told you working. that Nightstick Pro is one of my favorite flatter rods I ever owned. They're freaking great rods. And I don't use it anymore. I should because it has that soft tip and it always buried the hook, man. Yep. I swear, I, my hookup ratios were so good with that yep. rod. But, yeah. I don't know. My The fuel of this whole topic kind of goes back to the walleye origins of Minnesota, and it seems like walleye guys are the most, like, equipment uh intense yeah gear enthusiasts and that's part of why that industry feeds into that walleye popularity in minnesota because it's such a huge industry money 
with the rod sales, the equipment sales. Um, you know, it's a very big industry here in Minnesota. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm next. John using a forty dollar rod. Um, I'll, I'll use higher end reels. Um, not because I think they they're last. Not because I have to have them, but yeah, but they're better quality. And so, um, my favorite reel is a pin fierce or pin battle. The pin fierces when I first got them were fifty bucks. The battles were eighty. The only difference was the amount of bearings, so the battle was just a smidge smoother. They're freaking bulletproof. You like the spin fisher? I've that's a two hundred and fifty dollar reel. Like I ain't, yeah. I ain't on that level. That's what was our first car reel that we got. Oh, they're great reels. They had the bait feeder on them. You I've know. seen one land a hundred pound jow in the Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Not in person, I guess, on a video. Yeah, I caught a lot of hundred pound sturgeon on my old uh uh, Okuma Avengers, the dude, best bargain. Low reel. level, low level bait feeder, perfect reel for a beginner. I wouldn't recommend anything more expensive than that for somebody and just getting into. Don't it. use them for gator gar. Well, yeah, they'll rip the drag. Oh my rip god, the drag. I have a hard time believing that. The shafts bend on everyone dude, we've I've ever used. Dude, I've caught eight foot sharks on those. Everyone we've used for gar <coughs> has bent shaft or snapped the reel handle. Well, that's really? why. That's yeah. why I wouldn't recommend them. For for you specifically because you because you like to crank the drag, drag down yeah. and i've bent the handles and broken the handles completely off a couple of those avengers and that's why i eventually upgraded to something else the biggest flathead i've ever seen in my life was one i snagged and it was 72 pounds and i snagged it in the freaking tail like i was going to use it for bait <laughs> <laughs> and i landed it on an akuma avenger 4000 he runs with a max cor- heat on it the whole time he runs yeah. you run coronados now don't you yeah on my flathead rods I got I've got three Coronados now, and uh, you used one, and I've got those. Not a, the, are the I've got the uh, pictures as Okuma well. Okuma Coronado. Are the, what are those? Are they a bait feeder? Yeah, kind of the one the, the the level up at least in price. Yeah, and they make like the 50, 55, 60, and a sixty five size. Yeah, they're solid reels. Yeah. What's this one? Do you remember what these are? That red one. That's that's the uh, trio. That's the trio. Yeah. So I've got okay. two trios and three Coronados that I use. So why the spinning gear for flatheads? Um, I'm kind of anti-spinning gear, so I want to hear. Well, I'll tell you what: it. the first time you're in my boat and you get hung up in a st- snag and you, you spend more than 20 seconds trying to break your line, yeah. Then I'm going to make fun of you for using bait casters. But what's that have to do with breaking your line? Because I get snagged up all the time. I don't. But, f- but I don't what's f- the real have to do with taking time to get it unsnagged? Because I've seen people struggle looking for something to wrap their line around because mm-hmm. they can't hold their spool. To oh, break so off you with cut pound line. the spinning reel spool so you can just pop I can just it. I can just grab the spool yeah. on a spinning reel and pull back and it breaks at my swivel. Right. Whereas on a bait caster, you can't just put your thumb on it and hold I to can. break hundred pound line. Most people can't. Yeah. You're and so strong though. That's one of the main. Well, I'm that's, not that's stupid strong, but I'm strong <laughs> enough to do that. But then you got to spend five minutes. You know, pull all the line out because you've dug it into the. Spool I, I wind them on tight, man. <laughs> like, like, I recruit my wife to like hold the spool and with the towel and. But that's the primary reason for me. It's not. It's not that I can't throw a bait caster. I mean, I spent my youth, you know, bass fishing. I just, um, I'm just as accurate casting with a spinning reel as anybody mm-hmm. with a bait caster. And I spend less time dealing with snags with my, the spinning reels. My only problem with the spinning reels is the power. The you, I mean, you're an engineer, you know, yeah. when, when you turn the handle one way and the gear turns the other direction, you're losing torque. Whereas with a bait caster, it's a direct drive. And I really like having that power, especially if I have fish in heavy cover. And it's not that a flathead is a freaky, freaky strong fish compared to like a bluefin tuna, 
But in moments, for short periods of time, and they're lots of times critical periods of time, I like the confidence knowing I can put all that pressure and gain some line with a bait caster. Yeah, I mean, there's probably reasons for it, but I'll tell you what, uh, an equivalent and I'm an not trying to tell you is probably twice the money. And I'm not trying to tell you it's are. better. Yeah, I'm just curious why, because I have my reasons why, and I was curious what your reasons why. For me, I can get a higher quality spinning reel for a lower price. Sure, and I I don't have to deal with the whole you know getting snagged up and not being able to break my line off issue. Yeah. So he's the spinning man. But I but I can cast my spinning reel, and you know even with a five ounce weight and a bullhead, so you've mm-hmm. got a weird object. Yeah, and I can still put it in a garbage can it just lid at fifty weird. yards. Casting big weights with like live bait on a spinning reel is not that easy to be precise. With. No, no, he oh. does it like flawless. He's done it for so long. It's like there's a, no yeah, substitute you, for you, experience. Yeah. You tell me to hit a hole, you know, this big around thirty yards behind my boat, and I'll hit that hole. Yeah. No, the only time I've ever used big spinning reels for anything big is shark fishing in the surf. And you don't, I've never had to worry about accuracy there. Like I have a hundred pound braid. I have an 80 pound mono top shot and I have a big weight and a big bait. And I like how I don't have to worry about a backlash and I can just freaking lean into it and really load that rod up and send (laughs) it. I really like that. That is nice. Yeah. Although with most of the gear we're using for catfishing with, you know, two ounce and bigger weights, backlashing shouldn't be an issue for anybody that has any baitcaster experience. Agreed. Agreed. But the only time it'll happen is if you try to send it as hard as you possibly can once in a while. And it hits a branch or something. You'll get some overrun once in a while yeah. if you really, really zing it. But yeah, other than that. Where I, where I get my most overrun is where I run a high-low rig, like the two-hook rig. Yep. And it helicopters real bad. And then I'll get a backlash every once in a while. <laughs> All right, complete change of pace. And this kind of kind of goes more, actually goes to everybody because I want to hear everybody's thoughts. But YouTube, Instagram, social media has kind of create this weird contradiction amongst fishing because fishing has traditionally been like a super duper secretive. You know, you have your secret spot, your secret bait, you have your secret everything. And now with all that, you're putting stuff out for the public. You're putting stuff out for everybody to see. Like, where's your balance in that? I just lie. Okay. I just lie to everybody. <laughs> Are you lying right now? <laughs> no, I don't. Where's the balance in... Uh, it's a pretty broad question. I'm trying to figure out how to attack it. You, little, Look, I think little I think, pieces at a time. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Um, or you can go, John. John, yeah, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think there is that balance. I'm, I'm all for people being able to, you know, record their experiences and share it with people on social media. Um, but, but I think, think if it's possible, they should make at least some effort to conceal locations if it's something that they want to fish continuously. So, what I think is, you know, kind of an oxymoron is I'll see some of these guys doing YouTube videos from a specific spot and they make no effort to conceal the spot. Right. And then I'll hear that guy complain that there's somebody fishing his spot. I, I do find that kind of funny. I, I think that's hilarious. It happens yeah, like all if, the time. Yeah. If you don't want anybody on that spot, you probably shouldn't have publicized you know, done the video that. there. Um, and there are, there's some spots like on the rivers that are, that are community spots that everybody kind of knows about. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're doing a YouTube video or some type of a video like that, those are the spots that you should stick to, mm-hmm. um, save the, the more off the path locations 
um, that you want to keep to yourself, you know, save those for yourself. What if there's no discernible landmarks in those off the grid locations that the only way you know well, that where it's at is if you've been there. I, I, there, there's a small group of people that, that can see a photo or a video of any part of the river, you know, for, for a hundred mile stretch. Yeah. If somebody posts a photo with anything in it, a specific tree, yeah. a power line, yep. anything, I can tell you exactly where that is. Yep. Or this stretch of river has willows. Yeah. This stretch of river sna- yeah. doesn't, you yep. know, like, oh, I remember that tree laying in the water. Even just a single rock on the shoreline can be enough to give a spot. Yep. And yep. we, we live in such a populated area that I've talked to John and you about this. There's certain things we, I will not film. Right. And you know what I'm talking about, John. Yep. There's certain things that we're doing that I will not film. Yep. Certain fisheries, certain bodies of water, yep. certain species on certain bodies of water. I will not sure. film it. Not not just because I want don't want anyone to know, but I don't want everyone to know. Yeah. And yeah. that not not saying everyone will watch the video, but that person will tell another person, that person will tell another person. And mm-hmm. I've seen it happen where there's been some backwater stuff that one person posted one thing, not don't hate him for it. And uh, that spot's done now. Yeah. And it it was special. Yeah. And I feel like those special, special spots, um, you got to kind of be careful when you're posting them if you want to keep them special. I go back and forth. Well, there's a little bit of um, creativity that goes with that, too. There's some spots on the river that are only special at a certain, certain water time. level or a certain time of the year or a certain water temperature. And if you go and film there... And have a great day. I'm fine with that person posting that because wait. three, yeah, wait a week, wait, yeah. or, wait, a, wait a week till it dies off, you know, and then post your video. And anybody um, who's listening to this, I mean, I hope you don't get upset. I guess if you do, you do. If you watch one of my videos, you can bank it's somewhere between three weeks old and thirteen <laughs> months old. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and and just to to feed into the point you just made, like. A lot of things are time sensitive and it's not that I'm trying to hide fun from people and prevent people from catching fish. It's that it's the respect for the fishery, but even more so for me. Yeah. You want to enjoy it while it's good. And it's not even about me. It's not about me at all because I'll go find fish. You know, if one bite gets ruined, I'll find something else. If the walleye bite gets ruined, I'll go channel catfishing or whatever, but it's the other people on the river and I'm trying to be considerate of them. And that's where I've had my most pushback on anything I've done is people are like, you're publicizing a fishery. And, and I absolutely am. And um, I just try my best to I've been a part find of, a balance there. I've been a part of the old UBB forums and now Facebook groups. And, and you know, even back in the day, like when I first started getting involved in some of the online uh, activity, probably 2003 or so, 2004, um, this was more of an issue. Like if you posted a photo of a spot, mm-hmm. um you know, people would call you out on it. I think now people kind of understand that there's no hiding. I don't know. I got death threats this spring. Seriously? Yeah. Like they said, if I come down, there's going to be them and a pile of other people, and they're going to, I don't remember the exact wording, but it insinuated yeah. they were going to do bad things to me. So I don't do I do not do YouTube videos, but I do a lot of photography. I've got a nice DSLR that I usually sure. keep in the boat. Yeah. And um, I do the same thing where, like, I'll post a picture that maybe gives up a spot, but I can guarantee you to anybody that sees that picture that that's not where I caught fish. Yeah. If it's a spot that I caught fish on, that photo's not getting posted. Right. Uh, at least not for a while anyway. So There's one thing that needs to be discussed too, I think. What? 
that nowadays with social media, do people are getting lazy finding their own spots. Yeah, I guess they I never want, thought of they that. They do not want to put the time in to find fishing spots. People say, where's a good place to catch catfish or where's a good place to do this? Go walk the river. Go Google Earth like we all did 10 years ago. But you say we all. What is this? I, I don't think it's always been we all did. I think there's been those people around forever. Maybe and they, instead of posting, putting a post up on Facebook, they walked into a bait shop. And it's like, yeah. hey, where's the bite? Or they walked down to the river and saw where the boats were anchored. Yeah. Or they, uh, you know, and then they brought their own boat the next time and anchored where that guy was. And now they just have a more convenient way of, yeah. of projecting all And they're not thing. shameful about it at but all. But that, that kind of goes back to the comfort level I don't of like being in a good boat. Is I don't have a problem going 10 miles to right, go find a new spot right. if somebody's sitting there. And and I have a, my issue is saying they. Like, like, just assuming a group of people is all the same way. I'm not a fan of that. Well, Luke and I are both not in the best physical condition, so I don't think they includes us doing a lot of shore walking. <laughs> no. But uh, there's, there are, there's some people. There's always exceptions. Yeah. There might be generalities, but there's always exceptions. You see it a lot more nowadays, though. I think a, it's just more obvious. Social media pages. You sound so old nowadays and shit. Well, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> Back in the good old days. <laughs> I grew up when, you know, when the social media kind of started booming. Yeah, we're kind of in a, me and you are kind of in a weird. I was halfway through college before there was an, even an internet, so right. I don't want to hear from you boys. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you're in a very, you're, you're kind of, you grew up in a cut and dry, a little bit more cut and dry uh, time. Yeah, I got to go through the whole dating scene in high school without social media or even a cell phone. Right. So nobody could record anything we did. Right. And uh, and nobody could hold us accountable. Yeah. Unless they saw you. <laughs> right. Like they had. To and see even then, it, it was just hearsay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's the the time frame we grew up is just weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, because now nowadays the kids who grow up they have the internets. Things have changed so much just in the last 10 years. Ah, it's crazy. It's insane. I couldn't imagine like having to re-enter the dating world. I'm glad my wife and I get along so well. Right. Um, you know, I hear some of my buddies that are my age uh-huh. trying to date and swipe right. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I'd just spend all my time fishing. <laughs> I'd be like, forget it. All right, we're we're up in Minnesota. We have to talk about this topic. That was fun, but we gotta talk about that. Ice fishing. You guys have ridiculous ice events and stuff. I have to hear a crazy story about stuff you've seen. Man, there's... It's like half a town out on the ice. You know, you have, like, ice villages. You said you had a freaking road that people, like, the general public, they don't drive over the bridge. You can drive on the ice, and and it's a public roadway. That's right in the metro, that ice uh, road that goes across the Croix. People use the river as a road in the winter to cross. So you got to have seen some goofy stuff out on the water. Dude, you'll see people going 60, 70 miles an hour on the ice across. I mean... You, you see you, what's the fastest you've went in a vehicle on the ice uh i guess i can say it since i'm older now i was young but i did about 90 and how do you stop you just make sure you got room okay i mean it wasn't glare ice so it wasn't that crazy but i was in an old uh <coughs> maybe i was going about 80 I was and glare in a, ice is with no snow on it right yeah 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 it wasn't glare ice it had some snow pack on it so it wasn't complete ice rink but that's a big no-no in the 
in the ice fishing world, when people are fishing, you do not fly across the river be, uh, on any frozen body water because it makes waves under the ice. And, and uh, that does what? That makes everything shake and crack. And uh, it doesn't make people fall through the ice, but it creates a lot of waves. And you feel it in the house when people Freaks are, you out. No, it's, yeah. It's it freaked me out. It's, I, I was think sitting it's, on the ice. Was it more of an etiquette thing? You kind of keep your speeds low. Um, it's, it's an etiquette thing, but I think it's also a safety thing. I think there is enough of, uh, evidence of, uh, pressure waves from driving that you don't want to, uh, be over those speeds because, you know, that bow wave going out and out in front of your vehicle can weaken the ice and then you get on top of it and, or the vehicle behind you or the oncoming vehicle. So most of what people do in Minnesota is they don't do a lot of uh, exploratory driving. Mm-hmm. Most people that drive on the lakes in Minnesota go out on established ice roads. Sure. And that's the safest. Yeah. And so you know there's been other vehicles out there. You, you don't want to be the biggest vehicle. You don't want to be the first vehicle on a stretch that yeah. hasn't been driven on. Um, and if you are going to be doing some of that exploratory driving, you want to take some precautions. Every couple hundred yards, you want to drill a hole and make sure you got, yeah. you know, Good eyes. Nine to 12 inches, depending on your vehicle type. All I know is I don't have much experience with this stuff. And we are a long ways from crazy stories on the ice. There's yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, here's the thing about Minnesota. is it's Ice fishing is Minnesota. I mean, yeah. it grumpy old men. Okay. Ever, people that have seen that, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. It's hilarious. The first one, not the second yep, one. Yep, grumpy old men, the yep. original. There's full, like four-lane wide highways on some lakes with road signs. They all, they're all marked along mm-hmm. the road, so they know where to plow. There's up at Lake of the Woods, there's a bar. You can sit at your bar stool, get beer served to you, and jig below your feet. Do they have Vexlars for rent? You can just bring your Vexlar in there. Could you rent one, though? You can you can rent some from some bait shops, but most people but don't. But not, not at the bar. You gotta, I'm not sure. BYO Vexlar. Once you find bottom, <laughs> once, you find, <laughs> once you find bottom with the, uh, the snap-on teardrop, set your bobber. You just put your bobber down in the middle and wait for your bobber to run while you're drinking beer at the bar. There's restaurants. There's we have a thing called Eel Pup Festival that is now not a thing anymore. That's, Why? It got it's crazy. That's what I was kind of hoping for it's, out of this. I've never been to it. I grew up 25 minutes from it. It's on Leech Lake. Why haven't you been to it? I just it wasn't. I wasn't into not the I, sea. I'm not, I wasn't a huge partier when it started being really big or when yeah. when I did it and I just never did it didn't really know what eel pelt was now I do because I target them in the winter up right, north right. but it's drunk it's crazy there's people puking all over there's people <laughs> doing horrible things there's people it's crazy I mean they outlawed there was so much trash that people would leave on the ice that they just uh, it came to a thing where like they just the town I think canceled it but it's uh it's almost it's, every almost every uh suburb and small town in the in the twin cities area and i think think all across the state has at least some level of um like celebration for the ice like either there's an ice fishing contest or uh or they you know have a big group of people that go out and harvest blocks ice for certain reasons and things like that polar plunge polar plunges that's a huge thing up here yeah I, i know it's big thing in other midwest states too but i've i've don't know anyone who does polar plunges it's a big one on lake superior that okay. they do and uh they drill if people aren't familiar with the polar plunge it's usually for a benefit for you know or cancer or something and they drill a huge hole and you jump in the lake with and your clothes you- or with no clothes and 
jump in the frozen lake and then you get up on the other side and then you run to a warming house and with a towel <laughs> nothing i want to do i'll just donate yeah <laughs> Here, here's 20 bucks leave me alone <laughs> maybe in my youth i would have done it but you know by the time you know i got to minnesota i was already almost 30 years old i've so. fallen through before have you yeah a few I've, times yeah i've fallen through through twice yeah i've never fallen through yeah it's One, it's scary it is I've, i was I've, with my buddy and I had a float suit on. He didn't, or I didn't fall through, but he had nothing but Carhartts on and he fell through and he caught himself with his arms out and I had to run over and I just like army crawled to him and yeah. grabbed his hand. Yeah. That's and, fine if you're 180 pounds, but when you're 300, both your shoulders get dislocated when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't have anything to do with weighing 300 pounds. <laughs> I tried to put my arms out to keep myself oh, from going through a hole. No, this, it popped both my shoulders. Okay, I'm falling. I, I thought you were talking about like the army crawl and pulling. Oh no, like me pulling the guy talking out. Talking about the actual event of falling through and I was stopping proud of myself him. with my arms. It's my buddy Billy. He's not yeah. a tiny guy, and and he was very athletic in that moment. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went through. I went through the ice once in Indiana because we used to go ice fishing in Indiana for you know bluegills, whatever. Uh, it was a uh, private gravel pit we went out ice fishing on you know three inches of ice and i went through walking out and then uh once in minnesota i fell through um on prior lake actually walking back into one of the coves there's a narrow entrance to get back to the cove and the ice was sketchy there at the entrance and we actually were on a four-wheeler mm -hmm. and we were at least smart enough to leave the four-wheeler and go check the ice out on foot yeah but you know of course of course i went through so no spud bar that's where a lot of no people drive through is on those narrow shoots on like lake minnetonka okay yeah the channels that's they, what gets people People drive through the channels where and there's current every year dude, yeah people break through driving yeah not only current but the sun keeps the water a little warmer because you've got rock on both sides yeah, oh sure i never thought anytime about there's that. structure or rock near you it's going to be not as good advice yeah. right right but the idea of the bluffs kind of funneling heat down towards the water i never thought about yeah that. or if you're near a bridge where the bridge provides like some heat and yeah. shelter from the wind yeah. things like that that will or well, the or, shelter or from the funnel, wind or it'll would, funnel the wind would, yeah depending. yeah yeah that would yeah there's certain air, bodies of water you fish that were like when i fished river stuff backwater stuff a lot of springs a lot of methane in the river mm -hmm. itself you're spud barring every step you take right. One, right one of the biggest things that i hear from people that come from southern states that come up to minnesota and and, and see the ice fishing experience up here mm -hmm. is they're they're blown away by the extravagance of people's portable fish houses oh yeah so you know you, luxury in a lot of a yeah. lot of them like a lot like, of them are over the top you yeah know? you get down to like indiana and illinois and they'll get enough ice on occasion that people will have you know portables like yeah they'll have like pop-up shelters and things like that yeah but you get up here in minnesota and people have 50 to a hundred thousand dollar fish houses yeah you know they'll have like 24 foot mobile homes full that are designed specifically for ice fishing satellite tv full kitchen yeah. last year i was sturgeon fishing in my buddy's ice castle we're cooking pizzas in his oven and we're watching satellite tv while we're fishing yeah and laying on a leather couch I mean, yeah, it's a whole I want to do that someday. You can come and we'll do it. Yeah, we've got a friend, Josh, too, that's got a, you know, a 16, 18 foot. Um, yeah, it's a Yeti. Yeti. And uh, that's got a kitchen and a TV and the Yeti's whole deal. Yeti's kind of it. the top of the line for around here. Got you. Yeah. I just know I want to 
go fish in one. It, it could be for a half hour. I'd be happy. You just come, to, just when you to come say ice, sturgeon will yeah, we'll sturgeon off. fishing yeah. through the ice in a uh, you know heated. We'll cook. We'll cook you know, pizzas and, and watch drive TV. out to it. Yeah, like, drive, oh, drive yeah. out to it. You're only outside from the from the gap from your car door to the fish house. See, up here, I feel like I'm admitting certain things. Like in <laughs> other places, I would people would understand, but here, I admitted to Luke that I had never went ice fishing and pulled my stuff out with a machine. I've only ever pulled things out on foot by, by hand. hand. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was when I was, you know, kid and growing up. We always pulled everything out by hand on a sled, so all you could do was a pop up. Right. To add to uh, craziness in Minnesota ice fishing, I, I mentioned it to you one time about I was fishing the Mississippi River in my boat in January. Yeah. Um, for walleye, open water. Yeah, open yeah. water in my in my Aluma craft, full enclosure on it. So I was like warm. I obviously had the heater going in there. It's cold out. And uh, all these guys, John and the big group of sturgeon fishermen, were having a, a sturgeon get-together on the ice. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I had my sturgeon rods with me. And I was like, well, let's go to the Croix, which is also a river, but it's a very slow-moving body of water. Probably the most quality ice in the entire metro area, to be honest it's, with you. It's not a river. I mean, technically. You, you call it a river. It's not a river. It's Lake St. Croix, but it's part of the river system. It's like a reservoir, but a natural one, almost. It's, it's kind of a weird deal. Yeah. And I actually took my boat... On the trailer, onto the ice, and I sturgeon fished. I, I set my weights down on the ice, marked it, drilled all my holes around my boat, and dropped my line, put my rods in the rod holder on the trailer in the boat, and I sat in my enclosure in my boat, and I sturgeon fished on the ice out of my boat. Did you catch any, though? Did not, because I had a buddy 30 feet away from me with an ice castle with satellite TV and pizza cooking, so no. <laughs> did that for a <laughs> Did that for about an hour, and I said, "I'm gonna go sit on the couch and eat some pizza." Yeah, that that, <laughs> that event was just a, a random gathering put on by some guys on the Facebook group, and uh, they had like ten tables set up, like these big, huge yeah. tables, and they flat, were cooking top chili. Mm-hmm. And I, I pulled up with my boat, and they're laughing at me. People are taking pictures and <laughs> people posting them online, and I get out, and they're like, "You want a burger?" And smash burgers. He's making yeah. smash burgers on the flat iron right in the middle, right in the river there. <laughs> on the ice that's awesome and i'm eating and i was like this is amazing i mean like, screw fishing it's like 40 <laughs> sturgeon fishermen sitting on the ice just chilling cooking food fishing just having a good time Dude, it's so yeah cool. that that's a whole lot of fun uh continuing with the ice fishing thing is there any pet peeves out on the ice anything that irks you just the garbage uh, that's really the, the only thing garbage and then uh uh not setting up like super close to people yeah that's yeah. big Especially if you're already there, set up, holes drilled, mm-hmm. and there's a whole area that's all the same around you, and someone will set up 10 feet from you. What do you do? Nothing. There's nothing, nothing you can do. You don't ever mess with anyone? I no, mess with people when they do it's, that. It, you, well, messing with people could only lead to you getting messed with back, because you're not going to feel better about messing with them, are you? It depends on your definition of messing with well. them. I just like poke fun. Oh, well, yeah, that's different. Like, hey, how's it going over there? But it's kind of like a road rage incident. It, could it takes be. two. It does. You're right. So. You're right. I've never had anything escalate because I've never like but that's, pushed it that that's point. That's the thing. Trash on the ice is my biggest pet peeve. Sure. By far. Propane tanks. Especially that's the one I see the most yeah. of. Uh, yeah, propane yeah. tanks. Bake, um, bake containers. Bake containers. Um, Firewood. People leave like... I don't see that. There's not many fires <clears throat> on the ice. Oh, the next state you south. It, you see it everywhere around it's here. It's bad. I mean, people will move their house and they'll be... You can feel a whole garbage bag full of garbage that people left. 
Yeah, even like um, cigarette butts are a big pet peeve of mine on the ice. Yeah. Um, you know, I... All you got to do is fill a pop bottle with yeah. a, a and, and little that, bit of water. And for the people listening, John's a smoker, and it yeah. bothers him. Yeah. yeah, I'm a smoker, and it bothers me to see that when you pull your fish house off and there's a pile of cigarette butts, how hard is it to reach down and you know throw them in a baggie or sure. something? Sure. It's a. It's a. It's not that hard. That's the answer. Yeah. It's a. Yeah. It's a big problem in our state. Now, I hear a lot of fishermen who get shit talk, or people shit talk a lot of fishermen because they say they litter. And they do. Is it fishermen that are littering exclusively, or is it just people around water? Is there? I go back and forth. I like. Is it the fishermen who who litter a bunch, or is it just being around water? People feel like it's okay to litter. It, well, I think there's uh, you know some genetics to that. You think about dogs, right, some evolutionary they, principles yeah, yeah. here, because historically, how you know mankind always got rid of their waste was. Sending it down river. Okay. Um, like even back 10,000 years ago, mm-hmm. the safest place to get drinking water is upstream of your settlement, not downstream. Yeah. People learn that stuff quickly. So uh, I, I think there's a little bit of that, but I, you know, I think litterers are going to be litterers. And I'm not just, I'm not 100% innocent. Littering been, from fishing, yeah. from, from fishermen by like distributing the blame. Either. Bothers me more that fishermen do do it because you are a fisherman. Yes. Yeah. Because those are the people, the fishermen that should be thinking about 20, 20 years, 30 years down the road. What's the resource going to be if everybody was out there doing the same thing? I was in the red river and shore fishing yeah. when I first started and, <clears throat> I'm not like a big conservationist for like protect the world, but I do. I mean, Tree I'm not going to go litter a bunch of stuff, but I, these guys fishing by me, older than me, bigger than me. Yeah. It bothered me so much. They were leaving and left all of their worm containers, all of their beer cans on the shore. And I said, are you just going to leave all of that? And what'd they do? They looked at me and they're like, like, I don't even think they even, I think I ended up picking it all up. They just like looked at me like I was an idiot. I said, you're just going to leave that there. Yeah. I just don't. Some people don't care. No. It's sad. There, There's some of that. There's there's a lot of different things that happen. There's some people who just forget. I have a buddy who he gets pissed when people litter, but there's lots of times where he'll be drinking two 32-ounce Gatorades and throw them by his tackle bag, and then we're going to go move to a different spot, walk in the bank, and he just grabs his tackle bag and goes, and I'm like, "Hey, man, you gonna grab your Gatorade bottles?" You know, and he's yeah. like, "Oh shit, I didn't. I totally forgot about them." And it wasn't anything he's doing on purpose, but it's just carelessness. I brought that up to a, a good friend of mine. He was short. I knew he was shore fishing the spot the day before, and I went there the next day. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and there's like three empty gate, like Powerade bottles, and I, and I called him. I said, "Dude, are these? Is this all your garbage sitting here?" Mm-hmm. And he's like. You know, blah blah blah, and I was like, "Dude, don't be that guy, man." Like, if you're my friend, I'm calling you out. Sure, and I, I think you should. And <laughs> and if if somebody were to call somebody out on something, I think if you're friends, especially, he didn't get mad at me or nothing. He it. he's like, "Dude, I know I gotta be play more attention." He had a decent excuse on what happened, and there was kids involved, and it was kind of just scattered, and it was dark, and some stuff was missed. And I said, "Dude, just." Pick up your stuff. Right. Like, right. All right. I think that leads us into the last part of the podcast. 
and you guys aren't familiar with the last part of the podcast. Last part is you get to talk about whatever the hell you want for however long you want because it's called the last cast. I like that. Yeah, the last cast, you can cast as many times as you want, but it's your send-off message. You can either talk about something totally off the wall. You can talk about something you already talked about and just clarify some things, or you can just be like, hey, everybody, appreciate you listening, blah, 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 blah. I can I can reel in real quick here. Okay. Talk let, about uh, my new YouTube channel just a little bit. Yeah, let her rip, man. So some of you know I did Northwoods Angling. We have like 36,000 subscribers. It's decent. It's Noth- a cool channel. It's yeah. A, you know, it's not about size. It's not about that other stuff. You just did some cool stuff on that channel. Yeah. Yeah. High quality video editing. Yes. Thanks to Jacob. Yeah, I got to give Jacob credit. The, the, the ones that I've seen, uh, it's... It's a different level of production. I'd like than to what pick his brain a little bit yeah. at some point in time yeah. someday about you know just a few little tips. It's funny when they first started doing their videos, everybody gave Jacob a bunch of crap because it would take him, you know, they they would talk about a fishing event they had and all the fish they caught and video coming soon, and then four weeks later the video is still not out, and everybody would be giving Jacob crap and that's until the, you saw the video and you realize, holy crap, that's a lot of production value there. A looks lot really of cool. time yeah. investment. You appreciate it more when you know what's actually happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyways, we, we did that and I just kinda want to spread the word that I did start my own channel, which you talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Fish on Luke, one word on YouTube. <clears throat> and I've been working hard. I do one video a week right now and I'm hoping to get that to grow. Um I don't know where it's gonna go, but I enjoy making videos. I enjoy um, showing people my fishing adventures, going out with John or going out with you or going out with any of my friends that I love fishing sure. with and love spending time with. And I hope people check it out and uh, get to see my solo side of how it is unfiltered away from Northwoods Angling and how I... Uh, just Luke being Luke. I'm just being, I'm being myself. Kind of no like f- Manny. Remember Manny Ramirez? Yep. The Manny being Manny. Just, just, just me fishing, just doing my thing. Doing my own editing now. And and I'll add to just a little, I mean, not to that, but an aside to that is if anybody who's doing YouTube, um, don't do it. I would, I would say do it and make it fun. You know, if you make it fun, you're going to put in the time, effort, whatever, and it's not going to feel like you're putting in time and effort yeah. because you're having a good time doing Correct. it. So if you can make the videoing and, and editing a good time, like you're going to have more success than, 100%. than if you just try to approach it with like a job-like mentality. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of burnout and stuff. You know, have a good time with it. Yep, be yourself and uh, have fun with it. Don't do it. Do it because you love it, you know? And and if you don't love it, make it into what you love. You know, like you, it, any of this stuff, you can make it whatever you want to be, and that's the beauty of it. Yep. There's I, people that have personalities that are that are better for YouTube videos than others. You could make the point um, that argument for anything. I know. And uh, I've seen some guys trying to do YouTube videos that just aren't, you know, extroverts. They're not, they're not good at, at speaking in general, let alone to, to try to make something seem fun like that. Self-awareness is a big yeah, thing. Yeah, It's though. a big thing. But my, what I'm going to say off of that, I'm not going to knock somebody who's trying to do YouTube. No, might me not, either. No, not be but, totally like conducive to it, but you can put a spin on it that yeah. provides value to an audience where that's going to be more your thing. But the better you understand yourself and what you're better yeah. at doing, the better 
success you're going to have at those things. At least right. I think so. I'm kind of, of, of an opposite school on that whole thought process of, of doing videos and, and photos and things like that. I've, I've been approached several times to, uh, to do photo shoots for money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been approached, you know, dozens of times by people that want me to take them on a guided fishing trip. Sure. And, uh, because of the fact that I'm a professional engineer, I spend, you know, eight hours a day to 10 hours a day, um, with a job that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to mix anything financial with my hobby that gives me peace and, and spirituality. Sure. So I'll never be a professional guide. I'll never be a professional photographer, not until I retire, maybe. Yeah. I just I don't want to contaminate the hobbies that I enjoy by trying to make money with them. Well, so that's it, just my choice. If you have a job where you're very comfortable, financially speaking... That I, makes a big difference. The, it does, I, yes. Well, I'm not saying... That well, I mean, for a lot of people who do those things, they have they're in the same position, but they do it anyway, right? And but they have to love it. I don't think I'd love trying to do a video every week and trying to you know yeah. to do that. It's just yeah. not something I would love enough to to make it worthwhile. But you're you're in a position where you're very aware of where you're at. Yeah, or at my, least my you strength, seem to be. My strength is just I've known you for an hour myself. and a half, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> I, I just want to sit in my boat, crank my music. Uh, I don't care who comes with me. I don't care if they chip in for gas, food, whatever. As long as they're open and honest with me, I got no issues with bringing anybody and everybody out in my boat. I put post open seats all the time. You on have to show page. up on time. Yeah, that's my one pet peeve. Ooh, that's my downfall. <laughs> that's my chink yeah. in my armor. If, if I'm going to bring my my nice boat to the ramp and go through the effort of uh, you know getting all the crap together and showing up early and having the boat ready to go at the yeah. time I tell you to be there. I'm really lucky. You better he, be there. I'm lucky he likes me. Let's just say that. Well, you're usually not more than a couple minutes yeah. late. And, and when, I say, when me- I say late, I mean that means you're not 10 minutes early. Because <laughs> when right. I give a time, I expect somebody there. If you say six, early. tell me 530. Yeah. Well, and I'll back the boat in for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at that. All right. That's the weight I carry. All um, right, John. Any... Your, well, did you have anything else you wanted no, to add? No, just, you know, take a second, check her out, and uh, if you enjoy it, you know, subscribe, and I'm going to be making more videos, and I'm excited to make I'm a, my I'm my a subscriber journey. of Luke's channel. I appreciate yep. that. Me too. I like that. <laughs> yep. I like that We're all jet boat owners. We're all subscribers of Luke's yeah. channel. Yeah. So, so even, though, <laughs> even though I would probably never have my own YouTube channel, I, I do like watching other people's stuff if they're entertaining and I find some value yep. in it. Um, you know, there's maybe... There's maybe eight, eight pages on YouTube that I follow, eight to ten. Some science stuff, some like race car 16. stuff. Sixteen point seven percent of those, or whatever, all the ones John watches. Yeah, no, it's pretty <laughs> good. I, I watch like some science stuff. There's Cletus. A, I watch Cletus. I watch uh, a, a channel called Smarter Every Day. It's like oh, a, I love that one. He's a rocket scientist, an actual rocket scientist, yeah. paid by uh, a company down in Alabama. Yep. And he does. He's videos proving of, not everyone from the south. Have is you stupid. seen the baseball cannon that he did? Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. I'm a science. I'm a science teacher by trade, yeah, man. I, I know all those videos. <laughs> they uh, the they, classic, the drop in the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. a classic yeah. one. Yeah. So I watched some of that stuff, and uh, I like the the super slow mo. Uh, the slow mo guys. Slow mo guys. Yeah, I love yeah. when you get up over that twenty five thousand frames a second. Second, pretty cool. I really like, especially watching when that. it involves guns. Those are yeah. my favorites. Yeah, the gun ones at high speeds are good. Um, 
Yeah, I watch Tal Flatermouse. He's one of my yep. favorite channels. The yep. guy that does all kinds of crazy shotgun slugs. And if if it's any consolation, when I was teaching, I made a lot of kids watch some Tal Flatermouse. Did they, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did they just become best friends? I think we just did, <laughs> at least a little bit on some yeah. level. Yeah. So I, you know, I'll I'll talk about fishing with anybody. I'll talk about you know a lot of things with anybody. The the only, only topics that are kind of taboo in my boat are politics and religion. Mm-hmm. I try to stay away from those just because it tends to it's create divisive. conflict and yes. it's divisive. Um, but otherwise, anything's open game. Mm-hmm. So, And I just love talking to people in general. So I appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm glad you allowed us into your garage, allowed me to sit in this badass boat. That was kind of my my send-off. I, I just wanted to say how, like, you can't see where we're at, but I'm going to describe <laughs> it to you. How, how long is this boat? It's a twenty-one-six. Twenty-one-six. You said custom weld. Yep. It's got this giant full windshield that you could attach a full enclosure to. Put your heater in. Sturgeon fish in twenty-degree weather as the river's freezing around you in complete comfort with an inboard jet. It has running heaters when it's running. Wait, yeah, there's, there's dash full heat. Yeah. You have dash. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> and, and, and how many horses is this motor? Uh, about 320 horsepower. It's a Chevy 5.7 block. So how fast? What have you? What's the fastest? Top you speeds, you know, in the mid 40s, like right at 45. And that's sweet when you're talking jets. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. not talking a prop. You put this horsepower in a prop. Well, well there, there's, there's jet, probably there's, more there's, efficient. There's, yeah, there's jet boats that'll go 100 miles an hour. Absolutely, but they have a different style pump that don't have a lot of um, lifting power. Okay, this boat literally, I could put 12 people in this boat and, and still get it plane. on plane just as fast as if it had two in it. That's bad. So, so thank you for letting us show up and for me to be able to sit in a, in a boat like this this is like the coolest <laughs> boat i've ever sat in and he started it up before we started the podcast and it made me pretty giggity because i'm sitting right on the motor block right now well i would have uh i would have gone out fishing with you guys tonight but the wind conditions i have except a, you're smarter than us i have a strict rule about being on the croy it can't be over 10 miles an hour and that's probably <laughs> smart but well, we're not that smart and be- because of how finessey the sturgeon bite can be i don't uh, i don't want to be out he knows there. now. He yeah. he saw what it does. Yep. Yeah. No, but I've had a ton of fun, and like I've said before, like the, the all that really matters when it comes to fishing or anything, especially recreational activities, is that you enjoy your time doing them. And I've had a blast, and I'm here all weekend, so I hope I continue to have a blast. Yep. And uh, you know, good things are going to happen. So. I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. I've had a blast doing it. If you want to support the podcast, you can. I, I won't take charity, but and I say that all the time, and I mean it, but you could go get your sweet-ass pair of Waterland sunglasses and use promo code RC15. You save 15% on your sunglasses. You get a pair of sunglasses. I get a little kickback. helps me out. helps podcast out. Get you some River Certified merchandise, rivercertified.com. Um, if you have any comments or whatever, on the podcast if you want to request these guys back on shoot me an email spencerrivercertified.com so well you need to come up here in the middle of summer and come do a podcast like live from the boat or something dude or, there's so many things i need to do yeah. i've been meaning to come up here and do some flathead fishing ever since i learned about it like 15 years ago it's been on my radar for that long just whistle i'll, I'll have you guys out we'll, we'll go out in this thing okay fine <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I, I had fun. Hope you guys had fun. Appreciate you listening. Hope to catch you, Giant. Now in Waypoint TV's 2023 Series Showdown. Your favorite hunting and fishing shows are going head-to-head. Visit waypointtv.com to vote and be entered to win a giveaway from Element Outdoors. Cast your votes during each round until the champions are crowned. Get in the game and vote in the Series Showdown. Presented by Expedition Enterprises and Vote Trader. Only at waypointtv.com. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.